G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment. I'm your host, Aaron Christie-David, and I run a mortgage broking business called Atelier Wealth, where we specialize in helping property investors start out and scale up their property portfolios. And as part of this journey, what we want to do is bring uh, professionals, and I, I usually refer to them as best in breed. So people that maybe you don't get access to on a day-to-day basis, and if you're trying to Google your way through professionals, you maybe have to go through a, a couple to find that that diamond in the rough, but that's what our, I feel is our our role as a, a mortgage broker, as part of your team, is to kind of assemble the dream team for you and find out people that can give their knowledge and wisdom without any strings attached. And uh, I want to say welcome to the studio, Raymond Hempstead. Welcome. From Aaron, thanks for having us. One Contract Property. We'll get to your business in a second. Uh, I just want to start by saying this episode is general in nature, not intended to give advice. So if you do need advice, please seek out a qualified professional to help you do so. Raymond, how are you doing? Enjoying the day. It's That's a great it. morning to start. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah. Isn't it great? We're having a chat beforehand and I usually start by uh, getting our guests to talk about the three Ps, a little bit about yourself personally, professionally and your own property journey and whatever you're comfortable to share. I'll let you okay. kick off. Personally, um, 57, married 34 years. Yeah. Probably for 35. <laughs> Um, three kids, two grandchildren. Congrats. Um, yeah, so that's been a good journey, ups yeah. and downs of what you have in 34 years. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. but it's exciting. Um, property, I've been in and out of property. Mm. Um, I actually lost everything probably about 16 years ago through business and yeah. being cross-collateral. Cross collateralized. Cross yeah. yeah. I have um, to say, just, just say cross-securitize them, it's all good. That's right. that <laughs> did that. Totally against my accounting principles, but yeah, we did that. And anyway, just on burned. that, like, I mean, some people just go, oh, what's the big deal when you know it's cross securitized? And I'm like, I don't think you know it until it goes maybe off the rails a bit. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, don't do it. Well said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that as well, mate. It's uh, sometimes those, those hardest lessons in life are that's where you can maybe save someone else from. The brain damage that comes with absolutely, yeah, and, and I suppose in that area, even though my my background's accounting, yeah, and I knew not to do it, I was in a, a tight spot. We did it, yeah, um, yeah. Just don't do it. There's other uh, there's other options. Yeah, the so, long yeah. way is the shortcut. Is that what? I don't know. There's a saying around that, that's right? It. The shortcut's not the shortcut. Um, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but back into property, um, yeah. and then um, back into one contract property, and yeah, great. In developing on that side, yeah, wonderful. So, in a nutshell, one contract property. Take us through. We basically allow people to use their superannuation and invest into property exactly how they're building and investing outside of super mm-hmm. they've now got the ability to have that same knowledge and same building ability inside superannuation yeah mm. i'd say self-managed super funds and and lending and borrowing through your super is probably one of the i want to say great area gray areas i'd say it's probably the most un- misunderstood mm. area i mean everyone knows first home buyers for example refinances investors they're a little bit more straightforward uh, in the sense that most banks will offer those type of loans, for example. But when it comes to doing things inside your super, one, yep. it's probably, say, a little bit more time-consuming because you've got to go through the process of getting it set up, meet with a financial planner, engage your accountant, for example, and then find yeah. a broker because generally if you go direct to your bank, it's not a simple over-the-counter type lending product, right? Mm. So I guess my first question here is when you're talking to some clients, what are some of those misconceptions that come up with buying and lending through their 
the SMSF? Um, well, most, most of our business is B2B, so we're actually yeah. facilitating builders, accountants, financial planners, et cetera. But yeah. all the banks, the actual tier one banks don't lend to self-managed super funds anymore. Yeah. So you're dealing with two, tier two banks um, out there. Yeah, correct. So you need to be dealing with a broker that understands and is comfortable with self-managed super funds. Yeah. Which um, not all brokers are, and I'll be no, giving an example. I personally do not do it, and that's why we, I guess we niche in our business. So, mm. again, this is not about us. It's just more an experience share. Uh, Bernadette, uh, my wife, handles all the SMSF lending, and yep. just hearing what Bernie goes through, I'm like, this is a specialist skill set. And I know having yeah. been around a number of brokers, there are some high-performing brokers, some big names in our industry that do not do SMSF lending. They just yeah. got too much work or not my area of expertise and so it becomes quite a niched or specialist skill set as well, doesn't it? it? It is, yeah. 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 And getting the financial advice to be able to play in the self-managed super fund space, that's unique in itself because Correct. a lot of financial planners can't actually talk about property. Yes. Um, so finding that, that financial planner or financial group that can. Mm. Um, but I, I talk about it. They can talk about property, but they can also you need a financial plan that can talk about shares as well. So they can talk about the the whole gamut. So yeah. you're not just being pigeonholed into property or into shares. You need to be able to get the right advice across yeah. that um, advice spectrum. Well said. I'm not sure. I literally just jumped onto YouTube yesterday. I found this one about um, a financial planner that went rogue. I'm not sure you saw it. Uh, no. Shoreham Partners. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not making any allegations here. It's just more, and he was pitching shares, for example, that were going to list on a foreign ASA, uh, foreign stock exchange. Yeah, got clients to invest. I'm talking millions of dollars, and um, and that's I mean that's a highly recognised national brand as one of their highest performing financial planners. Mm. And it just talks. So I guess where I was going with that when I was when I was letting it digest over the last 24 hours, picking the dream team. That's a big like sometimes it can be a big risk, can't it? Because yeah. you pick the wrong advisor, you pick the wrong broker, and they can put you on a certain pathway that maybe takes you further away from your goals compared to bringing you closer as well. So sometimes that that becomes its its, its biggest obstacle, which is how do I get the right team around me that have my vested interests that can mm. get me closer to my goals as well. But see, you mentioned goals there that. That should be the start of any discussion that you're having with any of your advisors. Um, they should be asking you, what are your goals? Yeah. But a lot of people I find they have goals but they don't have them written down. Nice. All right. You need to have your goals written down 5, 10, 20, 30 years <laughs> out. Yes. Um, so when you're sitting down with your advisors, your mortgage broker, your financial planner, your accountant, you can say, this is where I want to be. Yeah. Now, how do I get there? What tax structures do I use? What investment structures do I use? What lending do I like? How do I get to there? Yeah. Um, and then take that advice accordingly. So, yeah. yeah. It's funny you talk about goals because I feel like that is probably one of the most underrated parts when we are talking to clients, for example, buying the investment property, that's that's a mechanism that's pulling the trigger. Mm. But mm. what do you want as a portfolio? Like how big do you want to get this, for example? And I think sometimes we have bigger dreams or aspirations then people can see for themselves and maybe that comes out. And you know, I were literally just chatting before we jumped on around the power of self-development and mm. it comes up consistently when I'm talking to property professionals that have achieved a great amount of success in their portfolio but then also in business mm. and then also in life, which is the amount they think that investing in properties where they're getting their greatest return 
but the greatest return on their investment is their self-development or the emphasis or the commitment they make to investing in themselves. I know that's something you take pretty seriously as well. Yeah, I do. I do. Like um, I, I, our whole team is part of the Grant Cardone University. Yeah. Um, we have KPIs in the team and everybody has to do a certain number of three units a day in their own time Yeah. Um, of self-development and personal development. The company's growing. The only way we do that is the only way the company grows is for us as individuals to grow as well. Well said. Mm. Yeah, well mm. said. I mean, that's – I'd take away Grant Cardone because you could place it with anyone, like a Tony Robbins. Absolutely. You could place that with like, like one of the Harvard Online type uh, modules, for example. So I don't get attached to the person, but it's just more so the the idea or the concept behind it going, we need to carve out time on a daily basis to invest in ourselves, not technically, but more personally, mm, mm. that's going to give us that greatest uplift as well. It's like that iron sharpens iron and you have that inside your business. It's clients again, the, they're the beneficiaries of that, right? Whereas exactly. you get other people that maybe are asleep at the wheel or their business is lagging, you're gonna, that's going to reflect in like the client's results as opposed to, hey, man, if we show up, we keep doing something like this. We keep valuing education. We keep valuing being the best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's going to show up in our portfolio. And you, know, you read Atomic Habits, for example, and you read like the 1% each day and what that does, compound growth over a year versus if you just kind of the greatest example would be diet and you go, well, just one chocolate bar, one Kit, <laughs> Tim Tam, one Kit Kat, one McDonald's on a weekend. You don't yeah. really, One bad meal is not going to make you fat. But compound over a year and you go, mm. the, the bad decisions kind of compound to become, you're really off track now as opposed to if you just do the small things like you get up early, read a little bit. If you get up early, spend some time watching videos on investing in property or listening to that podcast, for example, you're going you're gonna to pick up 100%. nuggets. And, that, and that's the whole part, doing a little bit every day. Yeah. It's like some people do it. Um, and we've had some staff, they'll do a whole lot of training on the weekend and nothing during the week. Mm. And it's like, no, no, if you do a bit of exercise, if you do 15 minutes of exercise every day compared to yeah. two hours on a Sunday, yeah. you're going to have much better results long term, 15 minutes a day in your health. Mm. And health-wise, mentally, same thing. Totally. Mm. totally. Mm. I love it. I love it. So going back a little bit, I guess this almost feeds into it. When someone says no, it's almost someone's tenacity to go, well, I want to find a way. So commonly it's, and we'll get clients that come to us, uh, a bank said no or a broker said no. We're like, all right, give it to us. Let's try, and f- let's try to turn that no into a yes, obviously very compliantly, mm. but maybe not every stone was turned over or yeah. maybe it's a different lender that you didn't consider or maybe it's a policy you didn't consider. Mm. So how often are you seeing, I guess, no's become yeses off the back of, what you guys are doing? Um, if you go back, it was always a no for people that wanted to build into self-managed super Spot fund yep. because to do it, you had to find a builder that was going to build it, build a property, fund it themselves and then sell it to you. So yeah. we started our business from a no and literally found out, okay, it's it's a no, how do we turn that into a yes? Yeah. Um, and that, that was the whole development of one contract property, yeah. being able to allow investors to say yes in anything that they chose. Yeah, okay. Um, so we're finding more and more brokers, accountants, builders that are having people come to them and they're saying no. And even we had one last week where yeah. a builder had said no, then he heard about our solution, called us 
and he's he's now turned his no into four yeses for he, four of his clients that he's now building for. How so, good yeah. is that? I guess that's a mindset thing, right, where you go, hey, look, I don't think the no is necessarily a hard no unless you've exhausted all those options and yeah. how would you until, mm. until you get to a yes. And, and changes in legislation, that's got to obviously become part of, I guess, super and what happens and what you can do inside your super uh, is, I guess, constantly under review. So what are some of the legislation changes that have impacted or changed in your, in, in your um, business? The, the legislation as it stands, is, I believe, is, is robust and good in the sense that it won't allow you to build a two-part contract inside your super fund if you're using debt. So you can't buy a block of land and then you can't enter a build contract. So you still have to have a single-part contract. You still yep. have to buy a single acquirable asset. Yeah. And that's really important because it does protect the superannuation long term because until you until the house is built, you really haven't got an asset. You've really got 50,000 pieces. Mm. Um, so having a single-part contract where they've got a deposit and it's being funded by an external party, now that's really good. So the legislation's great the way it is um, just because now more and more people are becoming aware of one contract property, what we can do. We literally turn a two-part contract into a single part um, as long as there's a block of dirt and we'll do that. So yeah, okay. that the legislation hasn't changed, just the way we put it all together has changed. Okay, great. Mm. Is that, I guess that's why maybe some SMSF investors have maybe veered towards apartments, for example, because they or newer. If it's going for something newer, that's probably been... A, a choice yeah. because I haven't really known about this type of option as well. Yeah, and up, up until now it's really been apartments have been single-part contracts Yeah, um, because the developers issue that way. Yeah. Some townhouses and some some um, some small selection of houses. Okay. But it, it's really been where the builder has taken the risk um, and developed a property. And okay. When you look at it, the builder's actually – in business to make a profit yeah. and they've chosen the best area in their opinion if they build something in that area that's going to give them the best return, not necessarily the investor. Yeah, okay. So the way we've turned that around on its head is that where do you and your advisors see is the best area Yeah. and, okay, let's build in that area. Nice. And so what we do, we give you the ability to have that choice rather than being forced down a path where the builder says it's the best area. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, and no, I so saw the way you reframe that as well. Um, so I guess there's there's that – we'll go back to that mindset, you know, it can't be done. Have you got examples? I don't know, we spoke a little while ago about a team member of yours uh, that kind of changed changed that no into a yes and take me through how did, how did that happen and I think that's a good case study to – to go through. Which one was that? There's a few. <laughs> there, uh, you mentioned one of your team members, she came to you and said Look, that you, she was told it can't be done and you guys have been able to. I'll, I'll actually give you one. We haven't spoken about this one. Yeah. It actually came up yesterday. We've got um, two BDMs that are in, in training. They've started with this this week. Yeah. Um, and there was a, um, a builder. He's got nine blocks of land and he was looking at how we can actually move those um, into single part contracts. Yeah. And he was told it couldn't be done. Again, he got directed across to us. And we, we actually now purchased that whole block of land. Right. And we're subdividing inside someone's super fund. And that that super fund is now going to end up with nine individual blocks of land in their super fund. Nice one. Yeah. So instead of having to buy nine separate blocks, 
they're now through one contract property, they're acquiring one block, turning it into nine, yeah, and then they'll they'll build four of them, um, and then sell the other five, and then keep all that inside their super fund. So that that was a real big change around for the the developer that was yeah. in a bit of a, a dilemma with the interest rate rises. Yeah. that have just happened or been happening Correct. Um, and found themselves in a bit of a pickle yeah. to be able to fund it and we turned that in literally a no into a yes where they um, just changed direction totally. Yeah, okay. mm. I mean that's for whoever's bought that, that's I have to speak about intergenerational wealth. That has got to be some 100%. type of intergenerational wealth play where yeah. you're buying nine potential blocks, sell off, would you say sell off? Five or four, yeah, yeah. You keep the rest. You're like, geez, mate, that's a strong asset play, yeah, right there as well. But I, I suppose the intergenerational wealth is, I suppose, we talk about this a lot in the office, yeah, because okay. whenever you're buying property, you're looking at short, medium, and long term purchasing. Um, and what hasn't been able to be talked about, in my opinion, properly is the long term hold and being able to be used using self managed super fund now. I see this as the best vehicle to actually have long-term asset holds because you're at a 15% tax rate during mm. the whole period. And so we actually did this analysis yesterday on a NDIS property. Yeah. 50,000 net income after um, expenses and after loan repayments. If you're buying that and have that additional income outside of super in your personal name at 47% yeah. and you compare that to inside super at 15%, and you hold that for 26 years, like there's over half a million dollars worth of tax savings just inside super for that one investment. Mm. So just in that one in one investment, that can change a generational wealth from what you're living on in retirement but also what you're passing on Correct. Um, to your children or your grandchildren. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, 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 never ham- it's never what you earn, it's how much you keep. And it's getting the right advice yeah. to be able to structure it correctly to be able to keep the most. Yeah, yeah. yeah well said. It's a it's like in business, right? Like you, it's not what you earn, so the whole revenue thing. It's what you kind of keep, which is the profit. Absolutely, that keeps you going in business as well. Mm. So it's, yeah, mm. great analogy. Uh, reflecting back, what do you think? Maybe a couple of examples here. Some of the best purchases that you've seen when you've gone on. I guess over time, you're like, "Geez, that was a really good purchase," and and it's done incredibly well. What's what's some examples that you've seen? Um, two that I two that I like I like um, NDIS property that we've purchased. Um, For what reason do you think? Right? One, it makes some really good money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But like I call it a karma investment because not only is it making good money, um, it's like nine and a half ten percent return. Mm. But, and that's that's these these NDIS the disabled participants are going to be in their long term for, for their life, so 20, mm. 30 years. But it's also giving the quality of accommodation to disabled people that um, they wouldn't have got gotten without the NDIS scheme yeah, we'll without see. this investment. Yeah. So that that's a really nice investment because like I call it a karma investment. We're yeah. making money but we're also providing some amazing opportunities for um, yeah. other people in Australia. Uh, but then also um, a rooming house we've got down in Victoria, uh, again, three, I think three of the um, tenants in there are mums that have 55, right. divorced, had nowhere else to go. Yeah. They're now, they've got space to live. Nice. Um, nine nine self, fully self-contained units inside a house. 
Yeah. So from an inv- again an investment point of view, really good returns. Yeah. But it's providing some accommodation um, or the micro accommodation for for individuals that otherwise may be out on the street. Mm. Mm. Take me through that. What's how does that type of um, property come together? So someone's interested, in, and quite a lot of clients will either you know really kind of shoot for a cash flow play, which I'm, this is classic, yep. right? Yep. How would so, someone's interested in going? How do I how do I get involved in a rooming house? What what are the steps? Do you think um, one? It's got to come back to your goals. Yep. All right. Um, is will it actually help you move close to to your goals? Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, then it comes back to uh, I suppose the deposit that you've got because yeah. they are um, inside soup. You're looking at about one point. Down in Victoria, the nine beddies are about one point four. Yeah, okay. Um, so you need a thirty-five percent deposit. As long as you've got that that structure set up, or the thirty-five percent deposit, building it, there's the ability to build it. There's huge demand mm. right across Victoria, um, up through Queensland. You can go to the five beddies, a little bit cheaper. Yeah, okay. Um, but again, what's what's your strategy? What's your goals? Mm. How does that fit into your long-term goals um, on that side of it? Yeah, and whether whether you doing the financial advice yourself and doing or you're seeking financial advice from a, an expert, yep. how does that fit into their overall plan for where you're looking to go as well? Yeah, nice. Mm. Said. Yeah, I, I guess we, we see these from time to time where yeah, I guess the dual locks are now becoming a little bit more common. Yeah. Uh, I think they've, they've the proof of concepts changed a little bit. They're becoming a little bit more livable, a bit more sophisticated in the way they're designed as well. Yes, yeah. Something like the rooming houses we've seen, yeah, I think we've had quite a few clients, SA, Queensland and Victoria, as you've just mentioned there. Yeah. I think they're a little bit more open to that type of uh, style of accommodation as well uh, and starting to get some good results. So, yeah, you're right. What was their goal? Their goal was, oh, look, I'm, I've got some capital growth properties here. I want to complement that with something around cash flow. Mm. I then, yeah, they've then got to realise that the – the investment so that that initial deposit is generally higher yeah. than saying a, a single property for six hundred or seven hundred thousand, for example. So yeah, you've got to have the you've got to have that deposit, but then you've also got to make sure that that asset, that particular style of property, fits your fits That's your right. portfolio. Yeah, because yeah, if yeah. you're in a growth mode at the start, it's really probably not going to be your your best friend as a capital growth play, mm, but it's mm. something that can complement your, your portfolio from a cash flow. That's point. right. And like, yeah. like we started out talking about goals and that you've always got to come back to that. How does it fit in? Like you've, you'll see friends that are investing in properties, whether it's in NDIS or duplex or triplex or doing yeah. some subdivisions. It's like that may not be the best investment for you because they've got different goals. Yes. And, and they could be at a different stage in their life as well. Absolutely, in, and different means as well. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, they've got some clients that come into an inheritance and that's that's a different play compared to others that may not or will not have that type of uh, opportunity in life as well. So, yeah, yeah I think you've got to play with the cards that you dealt and then look at um, Absolutely. forward plan and go, right, what type of life do we actually want to achieve? And the other part that maybe doesn't get talked about is uh, how much debt can you sleep with at night? Because there's some <laughs> clients that can sleep with a fair amount of debt. Yeah, yeah. You know, rates are rising at the moment and there's probably one more rate rise they're talking about as I was uh, listening to as well mm. versus I don't think I can cope with that much debt and that, that affects their their headspace as well. Very much, very much. And and that's something, as you said, a lot of people don't think about. Mm. Someone Someone said to me, about two weeks ago, how do you handle the level of debt that you've got in the business? And it, for me, it's just a normal course of business. Yeah. But for the person that I was speaking to, 
for him it would be very scary. Correct. Because different visions, different position in life. Mm. Mm. Uh, well said. Well said. Perfect. So someone's, uh, I guess, parting parting words. So someone's looking to to have a brand new house, say, through their um, super. What are your uh, – obviously you make sure this is part of your goals and your plans. What are some yeah. other um, – that, that's that the, that's the starting point for everything. Yeah. Um, have have you got written down goals? And like that, that might sound really strange for some people. Actually, write them down. Yeah. But actually, write them down. Put them in concrete. Um, if you if you're a couple, write separate goals down and then come together and combine them and see how they they work together. Yes. Um, so once you've got that done, and the long-term play is and super superannuation is a long-term play mm. um it is how how is it going to fit into that lifestyle in your retirement yeah and what to, what type of properties you want so if you've got all that down um if you've got a financial planner or a financial advisor talk to them like one contract property we're a solution that allows you to build any property anywhere so you don't have to come to us you can go to your accountant you go to a financial planner find the builder find the location that you want if you want some help on that, reach out to the team at One Contract Property. Um, but go and start investing, start doing the research about what you want right across the market. Yeah. We're just a solution to allow you to have whatever you want and put that inside your super. Beautiful. So, yeah. I love it. Mate, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time yeah, and, appreciate and sharing it. your knowledge and experience, mate. It's been, um, yeah, refreshing and and. Mate, I'm sure we'll get you back on at some point to talk about some developments that you're you're seeing and some more case studies mm-hmm. as well. Look forward to it. Thanks, Thanks very Aaron. much, Raymond. Appreciate Thank that. You. That's a wrap for another episode of the Australian Property Investment. If you found that helpful, we'd love a review. But most importantly, we'd love some questions because we love getting uh, commonly asked questions from our clients. That gives us some ideas to ask our guests in the future as well. Until next time, take care.